our young people a moment to exit and go to a class prepared just for them as they prepare to, as Aaron said, get ready to go to church camp. Uh, High schoolers begins this week and then it'll follow each week after that through the the summer months to church camp. So so exciting time. It's always a wonderful time of uh, just getting away from the world and focusing on the Lord and so we just pray a blessing upon all of them as, as that happens. The book of Acts, we find the um, record uh, of the beginning of God's kingdom and his church. And um, after his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus told his followers that the Holy Spirit would empower them to be witnesses all over the world. In fact, that is the directive that they receive that we refer to as the Great Commission. The latter part of uh, the Gospel of Matthew, uh, in those last closing verses, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. In other words, go and be a witness of me And the good news that I share with you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Holy Spirit. And lo, I am going to teach them all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we receive this, this mandate, this directive, this command from Jesus. And he promises that the Holy Spirit will help us to accomplish that. In Acts chapter 2... We see the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus' followers. And the church and the movement of the church begins. In Acts chapter 3, we find Peter and John going up to the temple. And there is a lame man who's been lame since birth. We later discover that he's over 40 years of age has been there for 40 years, lame from birth, and he cries out or asks for Peter John to give him money. He's begging at the gate. It's the only way he has a means of providing for himself. And we get that response that we often refer to, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. And so he reached out and he took his hand and he said, stand up and walk, and he did. A miracle, God performing a miracle by the power of the Holy Spirit through Peter and John. And as we begin to see these things unfold, and we begin to see the church in its birth, the church that we're a part of today, being born in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, we find the response to those events. We find that the Holy Spirit has come. We find a healing that took place by the power of the Holy Spirit through Peter and John. And then we refine the response to that. What happens when we are being faithful to the Lord, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are being used by Him? And when we look at this passage today, I think it is very important for us to recognize some things that we can expect if we are going to live for the Lord, be faithful to Him, and followers of Him. 
And so there are four things that I want us to see very quickly in our text today in regards to some things that we can expect as followers of Christ. The first one is this, persecution. Look with me in Acts, the fourth chapter, and we want to begin reading there together in the very first verse. And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. Persecution, that's, that's an interesting word. We, as believers, have not really, truly faced persecution. We might feel at some point that we have, have been made fun of, or that we have been ridiculed for our faith. Uh, that perhaps we have been, you know, shunned or, or even excluded or rejected by some folks because of our faith. Possibly we've missed out on promotions or opportunities at work because of our faith, faith or, or some advancement in life because of our faith. And don't misunderstand me. I recognize that these are forms of persecution. But True persecution as we see it in God's Word and in other non-Christian countries around the world, we have as believers not truly experienced that. Because of the fact that we have grown up and we have lived in a predominantly Christian nation. That we have freedom to come to worship. That we have freedom to establish a church. That we have freedom to live in according to God's Word. But, but thinking about what we're talking about here in this text, and what other believers face around the world in what are considered non-Christian countries, these, these men were imprisoned. They were put in jail because of their faith. Simply because they were teaching about Jesus and the resurrection. They weren't doing anything else. They weren't being disturbing. They, they weren't being belligerent or they weren't shunning the government or anything of that nature. They were simply in the temple, a place of worship, teaching people about Jesus and the power of the resurrection. And yet, because that was disturbing to some, that's what the text says, that they were concerned about this teaching, they came upon them, the Scripture says. In other words, they gathered in around them. <coughs> Excuse me. And they had them arrested and placed in jail. That's persecution. We read through God's Word where many believers and followers of Jesus were stoned, they were put to death, they were ostracized, all of these things... Because they believed in Christ. We have not experienced in our journey of faith that kind of persecution. We have lived in America that has kept us from these sorts of things because we have, for the most of our history, been a Christian nation. Because of that, I feel sometimes we have to be very cautious because our faith has become somewhat soft. 
because our commitment to Christ and obedience to follow Him has been relatively easy. There hasn't been a lot of opposition. There hasn't been a, a lot of, of pushback or, or, or a lot of condemning because of that. And I think we have to be cautious about that. I think we have to be careful because persecution can be expected when we are <coughs> excuse me, faithful followers of Jesus. We have to recognize and realize that there is a spiritual war that is being waged. And Satan is the enemy. He is the opposition. If we are doing something worthwhile for the kingdom of God, if we are living faithfully and obediently and witnessing and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, Satan is threatened by that. And he will attack us. He will come after us in a lot of different ways, with a lot of different tools, but He will come after us. If you have not experienced or felt Satan's attack, or Satan's rejection, or, or, or Satan's opposition to you, I'm not, not putting it all in one thing, but understand this, it's a good bet we're not doing much for the kingdom of God. It's a good bet we're not a threat to Him at all. It's a safe thing to say that if we have not felt Satan coming against us or charging us, thank you very much, I appreciate that, in any way, that we're really not being effective at living for the Lord, at witnessing for the kingdom, of encouraging others to come to Christ. And so I would ask you to examine your life. I would ask you to examine your spiritual journey. Let me ask you this morning... Just to think about this for a moment. Don't have to raise your hand. Don't have to say anything. If someone came in these doors this morning, locked down the facility, and said, you either have to deny Christ and, and commit that you will never speak of Him or His kingdom again outside these four walls, or you're going to prison. How many of us would be willing to go to prison? How many of us would be willing to say, if that's what it takes for me to stand for Christ, I will stand for Christ. If that's the price that it takes or what I must pay, I would be willing to do that. That's one thing to say it. That's another thing to face it. It's another thing to deal with it. And I, I think that our faith has to be strong enough. Our commitment has to be strong enough. When we look around the world today and we see the changes that our nation is facing and the direction that our nation is taking, the day could come that we might face that. Are we prepared for that? Is our faith strong enough and are we ready to deal with persecution as it may come in our lifetime as a Christian? The second thing that we can expect as we look into the text today is expect an understanding of salvation. Look at verse 4. We stop there in verse 3. Pick up with me in verse 4. This is a powerful, powerful word. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. What an incredible testimony to the witness in the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, all they were doing, Peter and John, all they were doing 
is preaching Jesus. All they were doing was talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. And in the midst of that, they were arrested and carted off to jail. But as a result of what they had done, as a result of the message that they had shared, the Scripture says that many were believing, many were convicted, and many were convinced. And in their conviction, and, and in their, their, their convention, being convinced of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, it says there are about 5,000 men. That doesn't include women or children or anything else. 5,000 men who were receiving salvation, who were believing. We go back to the beginning of the book of Acts, on what we refer to as the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, it says what? It says they were pierced to their heart. They were convicted and they were convinced of the message of Jesus Christ and His salvation. And they said, then what do we do? What do we do about this? We feel convinced. We feel convicted. What do we do about this? We feel it in our hearts. How do we respond to this? And Peter's response was what? Believe, repent, and believe and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the permission of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Scripture says we're added that day about 3,000. Why? Because they preach the message of salvation. We need to be faithful to share the message of salvation with a lost world. Not just in church on Sunday morning, not just on Sunday night or Wednesday night in Bible studies, but everywhere we go. In every walk of life, in every area of life, whether it be with our neighbor across the fence, or whether it be with someone we encounter at the store when we're shopping for groceries, or whether it be at work or at school if you're a young person, wherever it might be, we need to be prepared at any time to share the message of salvation with the lost world. That brings us to the third thing that we can expect, and that is the need for a defense. That we need to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pick up with me, if you would, in verse 5. And let's continue together. And it came about on the next day that the rulers, elders, scribes were gathering together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander. And then listen to this. I, I think this is so important for us. And it says, And all who were of high priestly descent. I mean, everybody that was anybody in regards to priestly descent was there. They all were coming together in regards to this. And when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, here's the defense. Peter steps up, he speaks up, and this is what he says. And he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. Peter defends the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gives to the religious leaders, it's interesting, 
the religious leaders attacking them, the religious leaders jailing them, the religious leaders calling them in the midst. Again, remember this idea of encircled around them. They, they were encapsulated with, with the enemy all around them. And they said, by what power or by what name have you done this? Peter says, well, if you want the answer to that, I'll tell you. And he begins this defense of the gospel. He begins this defense of Jesus Christ and the action that they've carried out. And, and as I think about that, I think about what later is written in 1 Peter chapter 3. Listen to what he writes there. He says, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed... And do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord. Listen to what he says. He says, listen, he says, who can harm you? But if they come against you, he said, stand up, be firm, stand for the Lord, stand for the truth. Continue to do what is good. Notice what he goes on and says here. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Always ready to tell other people about Christ Jesus and your faith in Him and the salvation that you've received. Yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience, listen to what he says, so that in the things in which you are slandered, they're going to attack you. That's what they're doing to Peter and John, right? Those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. It is better to suffer for what is right, doing what is right, than doing what is wrong. He says we need to be prepared at any moment, at any time, to give an answer to any person who might ask, why is there hope in your heart? Why do you believe in Jesus Christ? Why do you worship Him? Why do you follow Him? Why do you practice the truths and the commandments of His Word? We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to have an answer to give to any man at any time. And so in his response, there are three things that I see very quickly. First is the exaltation. He tells us in verses 8 through 10 exactly who Christ is. And that everything that has been done has been done by, in his name and by his power. Notice that Peter didn't take any credit for himself. It, it wasn't about his faith. It wasn't about... His spiritual journey, it wasn't about how God was using him. It was about the Holy Spirit going to work and Christ Jesus and what he was accomplishing. Always everything that we do that is good needs to exalt Christ. So that men might see him and not us. Second thing we see in verse 11 is the explanation. He gives a, a clear explanation of what was taking place and what was happening. And third, and I think this is very important, exclusivity. Now, a lot of people don't like that word. In fact, we live in a world today where, where there's a lot of talk about inclusive. 
We, we want to be inclusive of everyone, right? But there is exclusivity here. Look at verse 12 with me. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That's exclusive. There's an exclusivity here that says there is no other avenue of salvation except Christ Jesus. Any other world religion, any other thought of any other avenue or any other path to the kingdom of heaven or in a relationship to God, he said, it is null and void. It does not exist. It is not real. If anyone tells you that there is any other way to God, to the kingdom of heaven, other than Christ Jesus, it's a lie. It smells of smoke and it comes from the pit of hell. It's not real. Don't ever believe it. Don't ever buy into it. Understand that he is exclusive and he says Jesus Christ is the only way. Now, he is inclusive in that the scripture says that he has died for every man, woman, and child who's ever walked on the face of this earth. He includes anyone and everyone who's willing to accept the message and the terms of salvation that he's given us. But he is exclusive in that he is the only way, the only avenue in which we can become a part of the kingdom of heaven. And we need to stand on that truth. Don't be ashamed of that. Don't, don't back off of that. Don't be afraid that you're going to offend someone or hurt their feelings because they have a different way of thinking or, or a different line of thought in regards to salvation or the kingdom of heaven or a faith that they've been handed from their parents or their grandparents or the generations before them. Don't be concerned about that. Be concerned about the truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ is the only name that has been given under heaven to men by which we must be saved. Stand on that truth. Commit to that truth. Be faithful to that. Fourth and final thing this morning is this, the movement. The church began here uh, in Acts uh, 2 through 4, and it spread throughout the world, and it is still moving today. We pick up there in verse 13, and we can continue all the way down through this passage. Now, they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, and they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. The text goes on, and it says that they challenged them, that they exhorted them, that they, they really commanded them never to speak in the name of Jesus or give any credit to Him in regards to any miracles or anything wonderful or good that's been done. And verse 18, it says, And when they summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them further, persecution, they threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which they might punish them on account of the people because they were all glorifying God for what had happened. For the man was more than 40 years old of whom this miracle of healing had been performed. They said, listen, stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. Don't do it again. And they said, listen, you be the judge. If it's right for us to yield to you or yield to the God. But we're going to yield to God and we cannot stop talking about what we have experienced, what we know, the truth, and, and what we have seen and heard and experienced ourselves. And I would challenge you. That's need to be exactly where we are. I just can't stop talking about what the Lord's done for me. 
I just can't stop talking about His grace and His mercy and His love and His salvation and all that He's done for me in my life. And no matter where I go, no matter what I, what I do, I want to tell people about Jesus. That needs to be our heart. That needs to be our commitment. That needs to be our life so that the church that began here in the book of Acts and has continued to this day will continue on into the future until the Lord returns. We have a part of that. We have a role in that. We have have something that we are called to do. These are some of the things that we can expect if we're going to live for the Lord. My only question to you this morning is simply this. As we prepare for invitation, are you prepared? Are you ready? Have you accepted His grace and His mercy and His love and His forgiveness? Do you stand prepared to give an answer to any man at any time for the hope that is in you? Do you have the faith and the courage to stand up to face persecution if Satan were to attack? If he comes against us, are you prepared to continue the movement that I just cannot help but talk about Christ and all that He's done for me? As we offer an invitation this morning, if you need to make a decision about your heart, about your life, about where you are in relationship to the things that you can expect, I invite you to come as we stand and we sing.